Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 822. If you want to get into the car business, make sure you're, you, you know how to separate your passion from your checkbook. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Sacamino. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. All right. Great to have you here. John Sacamino owns Sport and Specialty, where he and his team are dedicated to preserving the art and fun of vintage sports cars with an emphasis on driving. They specialize in Austin Healey and Jaguar cars and have a vast experience in many other marks, including most British cars, Alfa Romeo, Corvette, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and early Lotus vehicles. They perform all levels of work from service, simple repairs, ongoing maintenance to full restorations, and vintage racing preparation. John is a lifelong car guy, and after a successful career in sales and marketing, he purchased Sport & Specialty in 2012 and has built it into a thriving, successful business, wrapping his passion for cars and having a lot of fun along the way. So, John, I've told our listeners a little bit about you and your company. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your obvious passion for very cool automobiles? Well, Mark, thank you. You know, basically, I'm kind of new to the automotive business, so I'm going to fumble my way through this a little bit. This is my fifth year, professionally speaking, in in the car business. Most of my career was in retail technology previously. Uh, in In 2006, I sold the business that I was operating and found myself kind of careerless and not sure what I was going to do. So I ended up buying Sport and Specialty when one of my best friends unfortunately passed away. Oh, no. Nobody in his family really wanted to pick up the banner. So I had three wonderful people that were working in the business, and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, and I kind of made the big jump and said, you know, let's let's jump in, and I was going to buy it from the family, which is what I did. I was fortunate enough to have a great staff in place, so right now, I just went back to what I was good at, hopefully, was being a good sales and marketing guy. Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people get into a business that they're passionate about, like restoration, but their focus is on the manual part of building the cars and restoring the cars, and they forget about the business part, which is really the most important part in many ways to become successful. So it's nice that you have that perspective, but you're still wrapping that passion you have for cars into your business. So that's uh, oh so important. Uh, I've seen so many companies go under because they just don't focus on the business or they don't even like that aspect of what they're doing. And they don't think, oh, maybe I should bring somebody in to do that. I'll do this. But that's all part of being a good manager, right? Yeah, it is. And I I started doing that initially myself because I wanted to prove to my guys that I wasn't a complete, you know, mechanical imbecile. Although I did build my own race cars and I've been doing this for a long time, but not professionally. And I found that I was best letting them do what they do well and supporting their efforts and let let me do what I do well, which is putting it, putting together a really smart team, you know, and making sure too that, you know, the business is operating properly and, and so far so good. Well, obviously you're doing a great job. I found John by following him on Facebook, watching the cars that he restoring, he restores and oh my gosh, there's some beautiful stuff coming out of this shop. Ah, uh, some of those Austin Healy's, I just have a special place in my heart for those. So maybe one day one of those will be in my garage or I can have you build me one. 
Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's important in your life, and it's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, John, take the wheel. I guess there's a, a simple one that I've used for a long time. It's you only fail if you fail to try. And I, um, you know, I was moving forward in a new industry, uh, new business. You know, my name's on the door, you know. But I would tell you, if I didn't try it, I would probably look back and I probably would have regretted not trying it. So, you know, you only fail if you fail to try. I guess I tried it. I don't think anybody's going to, should five years from now, this thing fold, I have to fold up my tent for whatever reason. I'll at least be satisfied that I gave it a pretty good, pretty good shot. Oh, absolutely. It reminds me of uh, the great hockey player Wayne Gretzky saying, you miss all the shots you don't take. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. So it's like when I started Cars, yeah, I kind of looked at my wife and I said, is this crazy? And she said, well, you won't find out unless you try it. So let's give it a shot. See, and here we are three years later, 822 guests later, and uh, I'm still learning a little bit every day, but uh, it sure is fun talking to interesting people. Well, Let's go back in time a little bit and talk about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy. I know you weren't in the automotive business before, but seems like you've been a car guy for a long time. So is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed addicted to cars? It's frightening. Um, probably my first rides in an MGA when I was three or four. Uh, my dad had borrowed an MGA from a friend he worked with and and. He, you know, loaded me up and that was before car seats and, you know, scary, scary stuff. And he'd put me in the car and take off down Lakeshore Drive, which runs right in front of the lake in uh, Chicago. And all I can remember was as a small kid, just it was so fascinating. You know, there was the chrome on the windshield and the open sky. And, you know, it wasn't like going to grandma's house. It was we were out motoring down Lakeshore Drive in an open top MGA and the smell and, the you know, the shifting and the noise and and you know, it never left me. It never left me. And I think, you know, to this day, I love all of that. You know, there's a certain smell to a, a sports car, the, the the leather, right? you know, all the parts and pieces that go into it. It was it was at that time. And I just really kind of never lost that. I always kept looking for more more things to learn about, about those cars and the business. Sure, sure. Well, John, I think you and I were separated at birth because my dad borrowed an MGA when I was six months old. And I have a picture of me sitting on my mom's lap in a white MGA in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I believe. They were finishing up school there. And my mom said I used to sit on her lap or she put me down between her feet on the floorboard if I was getting sleepy. And uh, my dad would drive this around. He wanted to buy it and the guy ended up not selling it. So instead he bought an MGTC and he had that car until I was probably six or seven years old. So uh, I think we were separated at birth or something like that. Or we had the same mom or maybe they were sisters or this, our dads had the same friend, something like that. Yeah, there was there was nothing about those cars that, you know, that you could forget. I mean, they were, you know, just the, the styling and the pieces and the parts. They were unlike anything you'd, you'd find in your local Plymouth. And I just found them to be fascinating for some reason. And, you know, again, they stayed with me all this time. And, and still still look at restoring them to that kind of condition is pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great story. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you faced along the way. Being an entrepreneur, a businessman is fraught with ups and downs. It can be a bit of a roller coaster ride. So take us to one point in time that was particularly challenging or even something where you just kind of slammed into the wall and said, I got to start over. Walk us through that. But more importantly, of course, what did it teach you and how did you come out of that situation? 
there was um, a time after I had bought Sport and Specialty where it was a challenge, really, because I, my name wasn't on the door. I bought this business from the person who started it. And, you know, Mark had passed away and now it was my business. So who am I? You know, I've got three good guys, but what do you do now? And people were a little reluctant to try to jump into the, uh, you know, jump into the business. So I, I found, you know, we were, we were, <laughs> we were running out of cars that were currently in there and I had to get some new ones in. But I, I found that, you know, just taking business in for the sake of taking business in is not a good formula. You're still not making any money. You're still frustrated. It, it's not. It's not doing well. So I stayed with my plan, and we, you know, we we weren't full in every bay, and I didn't have the back full. But eventually, a couple of people called, and I, you know, I used a little bit of salesmanship and charm, and and we ended up getting a couple of new jobs, and those two new jobs turned into a few more jobs. So I I think you know the. the my first impression, or I think a lot of people's first impression might have been to lower your prices or take in some other type of work or, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, stick with the knitting, stay with what you do. Don't, don't freak out yet. I was somewhat fortunate insofar as I had a little, I had some financial backing of my own so that I could afford to, you know, keep it, keep the uh, ship pointed in the same direction or the right direction. Right. Um, but that was, it was tough. And, and I've stayed with that same formula, you know, promote and, and provide good, you know, good products, stick with the basics, uh, promote your work, be proud of your business, you know, support your guys, give them everything they need. And that's turned out to be a, you know, a, a good, you know, a good formula for success along the way. Oh, you know, this is a great story because a lot of people will go in and buy a company and it has a brand already figured out. And all of a sudden, yeah, the customers go, well, yeah, who are you? So I think you said a couple of things that stood out to me. Stick to your knitting. Realize what the business is all about. Don't deviate from that. And of course, you got to get to work. So what's your big takeaway for somebody who might find themselves in the same situation? What's a key piece of advice you would offer them? You know, I, a big, excuse me, a big piece of what I try to do is make sure that there's some financial value for my customer in the work. I study, I study um, auction results. I study the Haggerty reports. I look to see what kind of value people are putting in their cars. And you know, if you have, if you're doing lots of expensive work on a car that's not worth very much money, you're going to end up with a lot of unhappy people. And I think if if you end up doing that to just kind of keep your you know plate full, eventually that word gets around. And I think you really need to work you know work for on a value proposition. Um, if you have to borrow money, do what you have to do to keep your business going. But I, I've also seen a lot of people that just struggle to get through it because they can't separate their passion from the financial realities of running these kinds these types of businesses. Right, exactly. Uh, I think thinking in terms of is it good for my client is the key. I've had a few people contact me that want to be advertisers on my podcast. And I go, your business has nothing to do with cars or anything that I talk about. I'd like to take your money, but this would be a waste. Why would you do that? And maybe what you should be contacting is this podcaster or this avenue. And I'll tell you, it's it's come back to uh, treat me very nicely when I've done that with people because they've sent people back to me as a kindness saying, oh, thank you for pointing me in the right direction. They, they were a car guy, but their business was something else. So they were just misaligning themselves. So yeah, staying honest and doing what's right for your client is always, always the best way to operate a business. I probably send seven to eight people away every year just because it's not going to be a good fit. 
and they want me to do some work for them that probably won't have a good value return for them. Right. I have I've found that that's a better way to do it than have unhappy people uh, long term. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this industry is too small. Word gets around. So even if you haven't done anything wrong, uh, word gets around. So you're, you're going down the right path. Let's talk about a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way to a, a new direction, a new path, a new f- way to focus your business. Tell us a little bit about your aha moment. We talked a little bit about it earlier, you know, where I might have wanted to, you know, just uh, roll up my sleeves and dig in and, and, you know, look at the business, you know, as restoring cars. And I think when I finally stepped back a little bit and looked at you know, other things I've done professionally, to a large degree, you know, a restoration business or an automotive repair business is really nothing more than a legal firm, an accounting firm, or a consulting firm. It's all billable hours. Yeah. I, and I think what it really came down to was, you know, when I finally stripped away all of the, the passion you know, and looked at it from a from a strictly from a P and L standpoint. How do I pay my people? How do I pay my bills? How do I generate cash? Right. You know, it really comes down to billable hours. And I don't, I, you know, I, I can't and I don't. And the aha moment, I guess, was people call and say, "What do you think it costs to do this?" And and the answer is, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I can tell people it probably won't cost less than an x x amount of dollars, but on the other hand. You know, we've I've I've done it five years now, and I've opened up you know I've opened up enough uh, uh, rotten eggs to find out <laughs> you know it's got to be time and material, and we have to build you know uh, we have to build it and treat it like a business. And I think that that was the big moment where I said this is really no different than so many other businesses in the you know in the U.S. I know my friends all say, "Gee, John, you've you found your dream job. You know, this is it. You've you're living the dream." And I go, you know what? 80% of the time, this is just a job. You know, this is this is business. This, right. It's just stuff for me. Yeah, absolutely. Very well put. Well, how about a proudest business or career moment? You've made a lot of people happy, no doubt, with the cars that you build for them, restore for them, prepare for them if they're vintage racers. Is there one that really stands out you could share with us? There was a, a gentleman, and this was about the time when we were a little slow. <laughs> and uh, he called, and I worked with him, and he sent us a uh, 100M Austin Healey. Ooh. It was one of 640 cars made, and the values on those cars is very high. He's had the car. He had the car for a very long time, and it sat in his garage and sat in his garage and finally was determined to get it restored. And we talked, and, and uh, he chose me, and I was very happy and proud. And, and then, you know, he said, well, let's see if we can do a gold Concord restoration on it, which for the Austin Healey Club, that's a thousand points. They're very, very particular on that. Right. So we went to work on it, and we had about eighteen, nineteen months to turn it around. Which in most, you know, most restorations, that would be good in and of it, in and of themselves. But to do a gold car was going to be very, you know, very tough. And we did it. And you know, he was a great customer, and we've become very good friends. And you know, I I, I hauled the car out to Gettysburg, Gettysburg, PA, for the judging, and. You know, as it turns out, we had 972 out of a thousand points. Wow! We had never done a car like that. Mark, uh, the previous owner, had never done a gold car. You know, that makes it a number one car in the Haggerty Guide, yeah. uh, which there aren't a lot of those, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And you know, that was just a very proud moment. My staff, my guys, were very happy. We were calling each other and. You know, we were high-fiving over the phone. I was out there. It was like watching your a child being born. It was really awful. But <laughs> at the end of the day, 
you know, it was it was fun, and I got to share that. I got to share that with my with my customer, and you know, I was very proud very proud of the results that we were able to do. You know, coming kind of out of a slow year, but we we came out of it and and provided a you know a really winning moment for him. Well, congratulations to you and the owner of that car to uh, embrace you guys and allow you to uh, tackle such a huge feat. And for your first time out, oh my gosh. And for those folks out there that don't realize the level of judging that goes into this, you know, we just came off of, I'm a Porsche guy, just came off the Porsche parade and I have a good friend, Bill, who's a regular listener who took two cars out there. First time he had ever gone to a Porsche parade, full concours, he's actually had a car on the lawn at Pebble Beach. And he said, that was tough. The judging at the parade, oh my gosh, these guys are at another level of insanity. Maybe I shouldn't use the word insanity, but seriousness is probably the right way to say it. Wow, that's very, very special. Very cool. And a 100M, oh, what a car. Just beautiful cars. Very, very nice. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your first very special car. Go back to when you were young and maybe old, I don't know, when you first got a car that you'd always wanted really bad. And tell us a memory about that vehicle. Well, I guess my my first car. I've had so many. I I, I uh, my first car that I bought was a, a '57 TR3. Nice. And everything was wrong with it, though. I mean, this was in the '70s, and nobody was restoring those then. They were just old cars. But it it had the smell, it had the looks, and um, the floor was mostly gone and been repaired. But I, I guess that was like my my journey, my first licensed licensed journey down the path. And then I guess another one that I thought of, I wrote a few down that, that might, you know, the, your, your listeners might be interested in, was a 944 Turbo in my first ship. Nice. And that was in the late 80s, and uh, it was an 86. And in 1986, that was the fastest production car in the United States. Yeah, yeah. They were surprisingly quick. And, and they kind of probably shocked a lot of 911 guys going, what is going on with this front engine car? Uh, it did. It did. And, and uh, I bought the car. And I'd never had anything that quite that sophisticated, if you will, you know. And I, I, I had a bunch of BMW coupes, a 318, a 320, 2002. And I got in this car, and I was like, "Holy cow!" And I, the very first time I stepped on the gas on the highway, and the turbo opened up, and I was just in the right gear, and it looked like Star Wars when they make that jump into hyperspace. <laughs> I said, "Holy cow! Yeah, this." Is Amazing! It's sixty miles an hour. It's pushing me back in the seat, and I, I knew at that point I had something special. I mean, this was quite a car. This is yeah. quite a car. Yeah, those are cool. The guy I just mentioned, Bill, that's one of the cars that he took. He has a beautiful '73 RS Carrera, the holy grail of older Porsches. But he bought a 944 Turbo, beautiful car, low mileage, uh, very different kind of color scheme, and uh, he said the same thing because he's got a, a late '80s Turbo. He's got all sorts of really cool fast cars. So the 944s are, are cool. Was there one? Another car you were going to mention? I said I, I um, you know, I vintage race also, which is I think why I ended up buying the business so I could afford to do to go <laughs> continue going vintage racing. But I, I vintage race an Alpha uh, GTV, a '69 GTV, and I, I uh, bought the car from a from a gentleman who is I think the cheapest man on earth, but I got a great deal on it, and I kind of re-engineered it to some specifications I wanted. And that right now is still probably my favorite, you know, my 30 minutes in that car, and I, I probably couldn't smile any more than I do. Yeah. So the, the 105, you know, 105, 115 Alpha uh, chassis in that car is just, just it's sublime. It's, it's a wonderful car to have, and it's the one I'll probably, I'll, I'll retire vintage racing uh, in that car. 
Yeah. Oh, those are wonderful cars. I love the looks of those cars. Oh, so nice. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a sad story of one in particular car that you really wish you had back? You know, I do. And this was buyer's remorse and then seller's remorse. And then <laughs> a lot of remorse. Well, I know I bought I bought without a lot of uh, time and, and, and effort um, or time and inspection on E30 M3. Oh. And again, I said I was a BMW guy and I thought, I came back and I bought this car and I, it turns out it had been wrecked and I couldn't, I didn't see it and I should have had it inspected, but shame on me. So as it turns out, I sold it to a friend who turned it into a race car and he's been racing it and I still see the car and I still look at it and it's, I like those cars a lot, but the values have gone up to the point where I probably could have afforded to have it fixed at the time. Right. Now I look back and go, I should have fixed that car because I just really like those cars. They're not the best cars on the planet, but indeed, I think, you know, an E30 M3 is a very capable ride. And, oh, uh, I, you know, that's that's when I look back. And when I do see it, you know, I go, ah, oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad it belongs to a friend. Though. Yeah, I've got a good friend, Douglas, who has one of those. And I've known, uh, well, and Bill, the guy that I mentioned before, he's got all the cool cars. Bill has one, a very Nice Concord level car that he found. Original unmolested car. But uh, yeah, they're a lot of fun. I'm an M3 fan. I've had a couple E36s, a couple E46s. I have one now. I love the M3s, but those old cars are just raw and cool and fast and fun. And yeah, they kind of do everything right. Now, remember when they came out going, what's the deal with the fenders? Are they trying to be a hot rod or something? And I got to drive one way back when they first came out. And I went, okay, now I understand. Yeah, these are different because I'd come from driving a friend's 2002 and jumped into that. I was like, whoa, yeah, this is a different car. So very cool. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow and the rest of the year. What are you guys working on there in your shop that has you really excited and fired up? Currently, we're doing a uh, an early 60s Jag for, for um, a gentleman whose father owned it. And the car is very unmolested. Uh, we're going to do a, a gold, Concorde Gold JCNA restoration on it. We're working on it right now. Again, another Concorde car, which really kind of shows your metal, as you said. You know, it's every detail's got to be just right. right. The fellow that we're working on it uh, for uh, is very excited about it. We're excited. So that's the kind of that's the kind of energy that really kind of makes these projects fun to do. Um, so we're you know we're looking at it. I think the outcome will be terrific, and and um, you know it's we've got we've got some more. I've got a GTV, a silver GTV that we're doing, which is going to might be the nicest one in the country when we're done. Um, it's a '72, um, and we're finishing up hopefully mid mid next month. Uh, and the uh, owner is getting a little impatient, but that's kind of the nature of the business. But we're we're really moving along on it. So we've got some fun stuff. Uh, most of that can be seen on the website. Oh, yeah. Well, in that last 10 or even 5% of a restoration, when the owner's getting impatient, that's probably the most important part of a restoration because that's where you see a lot of cars, they get to that point and people just, they're worn out or they're tired or the owners say, I'm done. Just give me the car. I'll finish it. And th those last little tweaks are the most important. We spend a lot of time. It's that last 50 miles that we drive it around and, you know, the throttle linkage isn't as tight as we thought, or a cable is a little bit looser, or a ground wire comes loose because a, a solder joint, you know, um, wasn't as tight as we thought. You know, we're, I call it exploding these cars. We explode these cars, and, and I'm giving you back a hand-built car in some cases. Right. The entire hand-built car. Let us sort it a little bit. Um, but you're absolutely right. That's probably the most stressful time for me is that last 10%. Absolutely. Sounds like some fantastic projects. Is that Jaguar, an XKE? 
Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's an E-Type, uh, a Series 1 E-Type uh, OTS, you know, convertible, uh, 1960s, although, you know, it's it's the one to have. It's the one to have. So flat-bottom car, does it have the outside hood locks? No outside hood locks, but it's the um, um, flat-bottom uh, 3.8 uh, three eight engine. It, I can't remember how many. We know how many. You know how many uh, cars away from the outside hood locks it is. But yeah. you know, indeed, uh, it's still an early car. Is an early car, and it's it's going to be uh, old English white with a red interior. Should be just right. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that. Those things. Ah, hex keys. Ah, sexiest car on the planet for sure. Very very nice. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, John. If John was a car, what kind of car would John be, and why? I read you were a uh, pre-work, and then pr- I probably struggled with this one the most for crying out loud. I, good, good. No, I know. I, know. I, I, I guess I, I'm just going to take one for the team in here. You're going you're gonna to wonder why I would say this, but I'm kind of a go-to guy, and I like a go-to vehicle. I, I'd be my current 2500 GMC pickup truck right now. Well, you know what? Before you go any further... I appreciate that you answered this honestly, because we all want to be sexy Ferraris or Jaguars, XKs or something. But uh, yeah, you're a bit of a workhorse. So so go on. Explain the rest of this. I, I just I looked at it and I said, this thing tows and it hauls and it's very comfortable. And, you know, if I had to only have one car to get around and do that, although I have a few, you know, a few, it would be this, you know, a BM GMC pickup truck. I mean, yeah. it does everything I need it to do when I can put people in it and I can haul Everything from furniture to engine blocks or even just luggage. So I guess I, I'm kind of a – I see myself as kind of a utility guy. You know, I, I'm a I'm a liberal arts major. I guess that's how I end up, you know. There you go. Myself. There you go. Well, I, I like the way you answered that. You answered it very honestly. So that's perfect. Well, John, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. 
Okay, John, we are back, and we're entering what I call the last lap. You're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. I'm going to throw some questions at you here and ask you to give me some quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say it's uh, keep it simple and clean, you know, both race cars and street cars. You know, don't try to add too much. Don't take too little away. Just, you know, keep, uh, my race cars are always prepared. They're always clean. I never, I, 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 I try to be the amateur Bob Tullius for my little group here and uh, make sure that everything looks right. When we deliver a car to the customer, I don't want anything. I want the car super clean. Uh, you know, we, we prep a car even when we turn them back for repairs. I think that's very important. Absolutely. Great way to go. The old kiss mentality. Keep it simple, stupid. Or I like to say keep it simple, silly, but uh, I don't like to call anybody stupid. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? I would say there's probably people who would argue with this because uh, I say I don't suffer fools well, but I, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. I like surrounding myself in both my business and in my in, in my uh, personal life with smart people. You know, I, I like I like working with people that compliment me in, in a certain way, and I don't have to be smarter than them. It's really it's really good to work with people and to to, to hang out and and have friends who compliment you. You know, uh, my mom taught me that lesson when I was a kid. She said, you know what? You are the culmination of the people you hang out with. Hang out with people who are smarter than you. You can always learn from them. And she said, marry a woman who's smarter than you. She'll keep you sharp. Now, I did that. Some days I don't like that very much when (laughs) I'm reminded of things that I've done that I've forgotten I did wrong. But uh, yeah, my wife of 33 years has kept me pretty sharp all these years, and I greatly appreciate that. Now, do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? You know, I hate to say it. I Google everything. And, you know, you're a Washington guy, but, you know, we, uh, you know, I just Googled it. When I bought the business, we didn't even have an internet connection. And I've got a full app, you know, I've got a full Mac out there now. And, you know, if you can't look it up on Google, it probably doesn't exist. Now, we have a full library and I've got lots and lots of books, but, you know, indeed, uh, if you if you don't have access to Google, get it and and use it and, <laughs> yeah. and learn how to query because everything is out there somehow for you. Yeah, it's incredible. My son used to tease me. You know, he was a techie guy growing up in junior high, high school, and college. And whenever I ask him something, that's all he'd ever say is Google it. Well, he graduated from college a year ago. Guess where he works? Google. So <laughs> now when I call him, I say, hey, I'm Googling it. And he goes, no, no, you can't call me. You got to get this information for yourself <laughs> online. So uh, thank you very much, Blake. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? You know, I think Colin Chapman, he kind of epi- epitomizes the entrepreneurial spirit for the sports car business, you know, yeah. for the guy that started with nothing and, you know, just kind of had an idea, had a thought, had a philosophy, and kind of continued to push it, push it, push it. He, you know, he jettisoned the seven to cater him when it was no longer suited his uh, purposes. He, you know, ended up with cars at Indy. I, you know, I think some people say it was kind of difficult. Um, it was between him and Bruce McLaren, I guess, two, you know, kind of entrepreneurial spirits along the same line that, um, you know, kind of cut short early in their, you know, in their careers, but indeed sure produced some wonderful results. Oh, they did. When I first started racing vintage cars, my first race car was a 1960 Lotus 18. And mm. I kind of picked that car because I thought, you know, it's not super fast. It's a car you kind of have to learn to slide through the corners in. And I love the story, Jim Clark starting to race in 
in one of those when he was starting his career. I never got as good as he was, though. I don't know what the deal is with that. But <laughs> but Colin Chapman, I learned a lot about him when I bought that car and learned how to work on it and do all the things with it. And it was a great starter car. Although the group they always put me in were the Formula Fords, and those guys had bigger engines. So I always ended up at the back of the pack. But, uh, but it was great fun. Great fun. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, I think there's a book that I always go back to, and it's more a, um, a reference book than anything else. It's called Going Faster, and it was put on by Skip Barber uh, Racing School. Yeah. And, you know, there's I, I, do, I, do a, I do instructing, and I do some classroom instructing as a vintage driver and as a licensed driver for a couple different organizations. And I always reference this book because – for people starting out in this, and I started when I was 40, so I had a few miles in me, and I had gained a survival gland by then, which I <laughs> didn't have in my 20s. But, you know, indeed, there is a right way and a wrong way to, to race, to drive, to do things. And, and I, I find that book to be a very good uh, good resource, you know, in terms of how to do it properly and how probably things shouldn't be done. Yeah, a good friend of mine bought me that book when I started vintage racing, and it is a great book. It still sits on my shelf today. I really enjoyed it. It was great, great fun. Learned a lot of things from that. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources John has been so kind to share on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in John Sacamino, S-A-C-C-A-M-E-N-O. He tells me he's the only one of those on the whole planet. So <laughs> it'll be an easy name to find uh, since John is a little bit more common out there than uh, his last name. But check out his website. Check out the book recommendations. Uh, I think uh, if you want to get into vintage racing or any kind of racing, SCC or anything, that's a great book to have. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. This is the fun one, John, and it can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but you can only have one. I want you to drive it and want you to enjoy it. No garage queens here at Cars, yeah. So this is something fun. But it is a toy car, so don't think of a daily driver. You can keep that truck if you'd like. What would that car be and why? For some reason, I don't know, for some reason, I think the uh, an Aston Martin DB4 GT Zagato would be the car I'd put over on that side of the garage. You know, it's got, it embodies the best of British engineering. It just has that Beautiful Italian design. I mean, Zagato did a wonderful job on the body. Yeah. It's the proportions are proper on the car. The interior, you know, is GT slash racing. Um, you could do, you know, you could use that car for so many things because that would be the only car I'd have. So I'd have to. Yeah. And it, you know, it looks right from every angle. If I couldn't drive it today, I'd just go out and stare at it. You picked a car that tugs on my heartstrings. I think the closest I'll ever get to one is if you look, we're Skyping today, John and I, and if he looks behind me in my shelf, my curio shelf full of model cars, I have that model sitting in there. It's a CMC model. Green. Oh, it's just, you know, it reminds me of the 250 short wheelbase cars. They have very much the same, you know, look and feel and essence about them. But the Zagato body on that car is perfect. It, I, there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, my goodness. You also broke the bank today, as most of my list- my guests do here. Um, oh, my gosh. I'd be happy to deliver one of those to your shop. As long as I could drive it there, that'd be kind of fun. They're good for the street. They're good for the track. Good for going to get groceries, whatever you want. So, yeah, that would be very nice. What color would you like yours to be? It would have to be Aston Martin green. You know, they, they, Again, even the green looks good on those. And that green doesn't look good on 
every car. Right, right. Oh, man, you picked a good one. Well, John, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that Aston Martin DB4 Zagato? I think, you know, that as a, as a, a person in the car business now, you know, I just think if you if you want to if you decide you want to do something you know with cars and, and enjoy them, just keep doing what you're doing today to make as much money as you can to support that hobby. If you want to <laughs> get into the car business, make sure you're you you know how to separate your passion from your checkbook and that that you're disciplined enough to do that. Uh, I think I would I, I've worked with a couple of people and that would be the the parting parting advice to anybody who's dreaming of doing this one day. It's it's not for everybody, but it sure is fun when you can do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely spectacular. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and learn more about your business and what you're doing day to day? I've, you know, I've got friends on Facebook, John Sacamino. I also have Sport and Specialty as a Facebook page. You know, happy to do that. And also um, sportandspecialty.com. Uh, we have a, an active moving website, you know, that we, uh, I show cars we've done, tells a little bit about us. I keep my cell phone numbers on it. Just don't call in the middle of the night and scream at me for any reason. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, you can contact me through that. That would be great. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, I'll tell our listeners again, all of this will be uh, noted on John's Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com and type in John Sacamino. S-A-C-C-A-M-E-N-O is the spelling of that unique and very cool last name. Follow him on Facebook. Follow his website. I do. And I have so much fun when you post stuff and I look at these cars you're working on. Yeah, I feel like I'm there. I'm part of the whole thing from beginning to the end to the delivery. And uh, it's so much fun. So make sure you follow John. John, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your worldly automotive experiences with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it. It's been great fun. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Dot com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!